So after church one Sunday, a little boy came up and told the pastor, he said, when I grow up, I'm going to give you some money. Well, thank you, the pastor laughingly replied, but why? Because my daddy says you're one of the poorest preachers we've ever had. All right, so hope that's not said this morning, <laughs> but <laughs> um, good morning, everyone. So glad that you're here. Always good to be with our church family. Um, hope you had a fantastic 4th of July. Um, no one lost any fingers or toes from fireworks, so we're doing well. So um, thanks for being here this morning. Um, lead Pastor Barden and his family are up in the Adirondacks um, enjoying time together, so we're glad that they're there just resting, relaxing. And uh, because we all know Pastor Barden, he will probably get some fishing in while he's there. So <laughs> I'm glad he's able to do that. Um, well, this morning we're getting into everyone's favorite subject, Money. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. Uh, but we're talking about the subject of generosity, okay? And, and I want to share with you, um, you, may, you may or may not know, um, the Assemblies of God has, is broken up into districts around the nation and our, our denomination. And we have a, we have a fantastic um, leadership um, here in the state of New York. I uh, really appreciate um, all of our leadership here in the state. Um, one of our leaders, um, who's also a pastor, um, said this, and he's talking about the stuff that he owns. And he said, I make a conscious decision to never own anything I wouldn't give away. That always, that always struck me. That always stuck with me. And I love the heart at what I think that statement is getting at. That, that's a pretty count, countercultural statement, right? We're, we're, we're pretty well sold this concept of my private property, right, here in the U.S. What's mine is mine, right? Um, but I think the statement from this pastor, again, is getting um, to, the, to God's heart on giving and generosity and why we give. I think at, near the center of God's heart is this understanding that everything that you and I own comes from God himself, right? Everything that we're blessed with is from the Lord. Now, so when we, when we, now when we think about being generous, of course, it's most often in the context of financial generosity, right? But I, but this morning I hope to help us focus on um, other areas of being generous as well, on, on being generous with our time, being generous with our talent, being generous with our gifts, and, and resources, and resources, not just our money. It's the things we own, it, right? It, it's the things we have. It's our toys, right? First Corinthians twelve twenty seven uses this metaphor that compares um, each of us to parts of a body, right? And, and if the body is the church, then each and every one of us is specific is a specific part of that body. And if that's the case, then we are each necessary and important members of the body of Christ, the church. And so think about now that in context of your time, um, gifts, and resources, if I am absent, if I'm not a part of the church, then what is, what is missing from the church because you're not here? You see what I'm getting at? Not just financial generosity, but in these other areas as well. If we truly understand that all these things um, we own or have are given to us by God, then giving back to him what he's already blessed us with doesn't seem that earth-shattering, does it? We started a new series um, this past week, Living Out Godly Character. Um, This week I want to talk about how we embrace a radical generosity. Now, now, Pastor Brandon, why do you say radical? That kind of bothers me a little bit. Okay. Well, l- let me tell you why. Um, I want to read this well-known account from the New Testament um, that I believe perfectly highlights what is a radical generosity. 
You see, this wasn't, this wasn't a conservative gift. This wasn't a moderate gift. This gift we read about was extremely radical. Also notice as we read, um, this generosity is not connected to how much someone has. Right? That's important because I think one of the biggest hang-ups that people often have in reference to giving, to being generous, is that they feel they don't have enough to give. Now, I want to point, I want to point out to you here how this also translates to other areas of generosity, not just financial generosity. Oh, Pastor Brandon, you don't understand. I don't have, I don't have musical ability. I can't, I can't be on the worship team, okay? I can't sing. I don't play an instrument. I don't, I don't on and on and on, right? I am poor in talent. Right? See how this mindset can be the same. I don't have enough to give, so I'm not going to give. Listen to this. This is Mark 12, um, 41, keeping that in mind as well. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, uh, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Church, listen, radical generosity is giving without your own needs in mind. It it wasn't a sacrifice for the wealthy um, to throw in these large amounts, right? Um, Jesus constantly calls out, right, the the, the hypocritical actions of the Pharisees and others who who made a big show of everything that they did, right? The the rich, although it was a lot of money, um, we read here, they they gave out of their wealth, right? She, they, they still had plenty left. That this woman gave everything she had We'd almost call that careless, right? Why would she do that? She, what was she supposed to live on? There are huge amounts of faith here necessary um, for this woman to have given like she did. In doing so, she put her trust in God to remain true to his promises. Amen? She showed faith that God would provide for her every need. I love it. We, we, uh, we went through our membership class here um, um, recently with a great group of people. We're, we're excited to introduce an, the new members um, to, to you all very soon. Um, a couple of things that we go through in this membership class, of course, we, we start with our four core values, right? And that, that really guides everything that we do as a church. Let's, let's go over those again as a church. It's important, I think, for just to have these on top of our mind. Um, as a church, four core values. First one, we are biblically based. Church, listen, we've got to keep this. We have to keep this in focus. We have to. We, th- being biblically based means we get all of our counsel, our truth, our values from the Word of God. The inerrant, unchangeable Word of God. Amen? You, listen, you don't want our opinions on the Word of God. You don't want them. As, as your pastor, our job um, is to correctly interpret. I said correctly because there is an incorrect way to interpret the Word of God to correctly interpret the Bible, and then to disciple, train, and teach the body of Christ. That's our role as pastors. If we get off the message of the gospel, we will lose our way. We will. 
It is so easy for churches, and it's happening all over our country, not just our country, all over the world. It's so easy for churches to get caught up in these political or social justice movements that sweep culture. For It's so easy for churches to go there, too. We cannot do that. I read about a, a, a church this past week who, in their opening statements, now reads a sparkle creed to their church in some, in some sick attempt to affirm the LGBTQ community. Listen, church, we cannot go there. We can't do it. Unfortunately, they now use the Bible to say what they want it to say about their ideology instead of allowing the Bible to speak to their lives. Do you see the difference? We cannot go there. We have to stay biblically based. Number one, we are biblically based. Number two, we are community focused. Our surrounding community um, can have three opinions of us. They can have no opinion, they can have a bad opinion, or they can have a good opinion. Right, while we don't seek the, you know, the approval necessarily of anyone, we want the community to know that we're here, that we care for them, that we love them. We hope that if our doors close, our community would notice because of all the good that's no longer done. Listen, um, I don't think it's necessary all the time for us to defend the church, right? I, I think that God can defend his bride all on his own, right? But I also think that sometimes people just legitimately don't know all the good that the church in general does, right? I, I just think they don't know. Um, maybe we're worried again about sounding arrogant. I don't know. But, but if anyone ever challenges you on whether or not the church does good, um, feel free, if you feel like it's appropriate, to talk about some of the things the church does. Listen, you, you know every year as a church, we provide enough school supplies for every elementary student in our district who needs them. Right? Every Thanksgiving as a church, we provide around 100 full Thanksgiving meals to families in need. Every Christmas, we provide hundreds of Christmas gifts to needy children and families in the Rochester and surrounding areas. Every summer through VBS, around 200 kids will fill these seats and being taught about the truth and love of, the, of God. Amen? It, there is an incredible good being done. We support around 70 missionaries and Christian organizations who then take um, the, the love of Christ and impact their surrounding communities. All over the world, this is happening. I don't want to brag <laughs> this morning, but man, I am so proud of the good that is done through our church. Amen? Um, and this is one church, right? Amen. Yeah, it, it's incredible. This is one church across, across, I don't know how many churches across the nation that are doing things like this. The church, because God compels us to love our communities, is having an immense impact in our world. We are community-focused. We have to stay community-focused as well. Number three, we are missions-minded. I just mentioned some of a, a little bit about that, of how we support missionaries around the world and why we do that. Um, we believe as a church the, the Great Commission or that call from the New Testament to go and make disciples and teach them all that I've taught you. We believe that is part of our call, that you and I, all of us, have a, a call in that. So whether it's, it's going, uh, whether it's sending, or whether it's giving, each of us, we believe, has, should play a part in missions. Um, that's why every month you'll hear us mention our uh, missions focus for that month and the missions cafe out in the lobby. All the donations there for the coffee goes specifically to support then that missionary that we're focusing on that month. So this month it's um, Leslie Latona. She is a local Rochesterian and um, now serves in Columbia. And so um, she'll be our missions focus then for the week of VBS. So 
the, these kids, it's incredible. They bring around two, $3,000 or more just that week to go to the missionary focus that month. Isn't that awesome? Uh, we absolutely love that. And then beyond that, this coming February, we're so excited for the first time to be able to go to Columbia with Leslie and serve with Leslie. So as a church, we send a team of around 20 or so to go and serve in Columbia. We've never been to South America as a church, so we're excited to, to um, go beyond Latin America a little bit and serve there with Leslie. We are, as a church, missions-minded. Um, we'll, by the way, the trip to Columbia, we'll be talking more about that. We always have an um, informational meeting sometime early fall, so just be listening to that. We'll announce that to everybody um, once that's time, but maybe, maybe God would lay on your heart to, to go and serve with us to Columbia. Um, so lastly, we, our last core value is healthy people. Listen, we want to help people pursue health in every area of, of your life. That's emotional health, um, mental health, um, spiritual, even physical health. So we provide things, we do things like providing referrals to Christian counselors in our area. Um, you may or may not know this, we have a, an incredible group of Christian counselors right here at this church who are um, Bible-believing Christians that we trust, that we provide referrals to people. And that's, that list is growing, actually. We just added another one recently. Um, so we do things like provide referrals. We, we help people develop solid biblical community through, through small groups. Those, those rooted groups, which we're going to talk more about again this fall, for, for anybody that wasn't able to go through our rooted groups this past winter, we're going to do new rooted groups this fall. If you have not gone through that, we want to strongly encourage you to do that. Here's why that matters. You are going to develop and everybody who went through Ruta can testify to this. You are going to develop a core community with people that are like-minded in value, right? And, 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 and love Jesus and want to serve the community. That is so, so vital. Um, so we help develop biblical community. We also occasionally put on things like marriage seminars. We want people to have healthy marriages. We put on a financial literacy class, Dave Ramsey's um, course every once in a while. We do that. We want people to be strong and healthy in their financial health. Um, so those four values really, as a church, drive everything that we do, every, every ministry that we decide to partner with, missionaries that we decide to support, etc. If, if we're doing an event and it's just kind of gone on and on and it's kind of lost its purpose, uh, we, we'll stop doing that event, right? Th- th- these things that we do are not so important that, that, that they can lose their value and just become kind of a fun thing that we do at Living Word, right? There, there's got to be a bigger purpose behind what we do. Uh, but getting back to this membership class, we, we also then talk through um, the importance of being good stewards with our finances, uh, being good stewards as members. We believe that becoming a member of a church means that I take ownership of my church, and, and in doing so, I become a good steward as I care and, and serve my church community. Amen? That, 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 that's what it looks like to be a good steward. It's always fun in this class to talk um, to ask everybody this question, and if you've taken the class, you know what I'm going to ask here. As we talk about this su- subject of stewardship, we ask everyone in the class, what was your f- very first vehicle? So think about yours real quick. What was your very first car? Okay, some of you were blessed with, like, um, classics as your first car. I- I've-, I've heard some people in this class talk about their first car, and I- it just blown away at some of the incredible cars. How many were just blessed to have the beater that you got, right? Who, ha- who drove a beater as their first car, okay? <laughs> yeah, we were just happy to drive something, right? Didn't care. All right, well, I had to go and scrounge for a picture. Here's a picture of my incredible, this is not it, but it's like what it looked like. I had a teal 1995 GMC Jimmy. Y'all can all 
and ooh all you want, okay, right? Isn't that thing beautiful? Well, I don't know. But, but listen, this was my car, right? This thing had four-wheel drive that you had to engage by, like, pushing the button on the dash. You all know what I'm talking about? You had to push the button, and that's how your four-wheel drive came on. This thing had leather seats. Ooh, it was, listen, it was nothing special, but it was mine, right? It was mine. I took ownership of it, so I cared for it. I had never used a car wash before, before I got my first car. I didn't know how to work it, right? But I took this thing to the car wash. I'd, I cleaned the interior some, <laughs> um, right? But I took care of it. Why? Because it was mine, and I had ownership. I was proud of it, right? Well, listen, years down the road, my wife can testify this thing turned into a bigger beater than it had started with, all right? It, the four-wheel drive no longer worked because one time I went to push the four-wheel drive and it just pushed all the way through the dash. Okay, my my side mirror fell off. I don't know. Did somebody back into my car? I don't, I don't know what happened. But my, my side mirror was barely hanging on. It was wrapped in duct tape. My AC didn't work anymore. So the only AC I had was the three windows that still rolled down because mine no longer rolled down, right? This thing, by the end of its life, was a mess. So I found a guy who would give me like $300, whatever I was going to get at the junkyard to get it. I found out later this guy was probably a drug dealer. So I, we, I, I'm serious. We would see this car driving around Springfield, Missouri, where we were living at the time, and we'd think, oh, Lord, I hope there's no, nothing shady happening with my vehicle. But, um, it, again, I cared for it because it was mine, right? That's the point in that class. We take good care of something that when it's ours, more so than something maybe that's borrowed or renting. Um, when we become members then of a church and it, it becomes ours, we take ownership of it, right? We care for it, including with our generosity. Now, can I just real quick disclaimer? I feel like anytime we talk about um, the area of finances or generous generosity, I got to make a disclaimer. Maybe I don't really need to, but just hear me out. Um, can I say th- there is no ulterior motive to this conversation this morning? I, I, I mean it as a church, Living Word is an incredibly generous church. I, I mean that with all of my heart. This would be the part if, if, if Pastor was crying, this uh, was here this morning, this would be the part where he's crying, right? <laughs> uh, but, but, but let me just communicate to you, right? That's how generous of a church you, I mean that. So there is no, um, this is no plea for more generosity this morning. Um, but, but let me just read as we continue from our membership class some of the, 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 the items we discuss on generosity. This is so good if I say so myself. Um, for those of you who haven't taken the membership class yet, think about it for next time. We'll probably do another one in the fall. Um, but this does not count as your membership class this morning, okay? You don't get to use this as your, as your membership class. Um, number one, we're going to make some statements on why we are generous and reasons we are... Um, uh, and reasons that are not true of about generosity, okay? So number one, we give because we are blessed in knowing God in an intimate way because of Christ, amen? We don't give to receive a blessing. Now, Pastor Brian, why do you, why do you have to stipulate that there? Let me, let me tell you, this would be the opposite of the prosperity gospel that would teach that we, we give be, and, be, and we will get a blessing, right? It is not a... Um, for all my math people, is not it is not an if-then statement. We don't know what that blessing will be. We don't know if it will be here on this earth. We don't know what that will be. But we do not give because we will get, right? That's not why we do it. That prosperity gospel teaches that. Number two, we give because we have been rewarded with grace because of God's generosity towards us. We don't give to earn a reward. 
it's interesting. The Bible does actually talk quite a bit about rewards and, and, and prizes that as, as followers of Christ that we will someday get. You know, our, 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 the best reward is, is, is eternity with Christ. Amen. That is what we, but we do not give to get. We do not give to get the same thing here. Um, there's a great section in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 in which Paul connects radical generosity actually to the grace of God. I love this. I've, I don't know about you, but I've never thought about it or seen it this way before. He shows that the mature believer um, gives extremely generous because they understand the grace that they've also been given. Um, so follow along with me. This is 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 7. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What, what are you, what? They, you're telling me they were going through the most severe trial imaginable, whether that be physical persecution, death, I don't know what that is, disease, along with being extremely impoverished? That's what Paul's explaining here. But yet the, the overwhelming joy that they had in their life, it says it welled up like it was getting ready to explode and welled out in rich generosity. How, how is that possible? They, I think the Macedonian church we're hearing from Paul understood what real generosity was. Continuing there. So I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the servants to the saints. They were begging Paul to give more. What? Out of, out, out of their, out of their trial, whatever that would be, out of their extreme poverty. And listen, we know they were extremely impoverished. So again, take it back to the story of the widow. They probably weren't giving a lot, right? But that's not the point. Out of their poverty, out of their persecution, they were welling up in generosity for others. Um, Let's see, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, it says, since he had earlier made a beginning to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But I love this, I love this last verse, listen to this. But just as you excel in everything in faith and speech and knowledge in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you would also excel in this grace of giving Church, lots of grace leads to lots of giving. Do you see the connection? If grace is God's free gift to us and we never lack it because his grace is sufficient, then God's grace overflows to others in a variety of ways, include the giving of our gifts, our talents, and our resources. And thirdly, uh, finally, we don't give to gain a prize, but because we have gained Christ and he has captured our affection and crushed our love of money. Amen? Amen. can I ask you this morning, have you ever had an interaction with somebody who is just very, very obviously um, overly enthralled with money? Like they were just, they were all about making money or whatever, and they were just all about it. Have you, have you known someone like that? I, um, I had an interaction that I will never forget, and I, I don't want to sound this morning like I'm judging this guy because I'm going to be honest, I don't know him. Um, I, this was just a small interaction that I had, but I think it kind of was telling about his heart in the area of giving. Um, 
the joke, uh, this happened at my barber shop, and the, the joke there is um, with the guy who owns it, Joe, super nice guy, but the joke is when I walk in, like, he tells everybody to quiet down because the pastor's here, <laughs> right? Like, the guys, the pastor just walked in, and I had to finally tell him, I was like, Joe, you got to stop doing that, <laughs> right? Like, you're kind of ruining my thing here, um, right? So, so um, I go into the barber shop one day, and there's a guy sitting in, in the chair, he's getting his hair cut. And I can just like see on everybody's, the barber's faces, like it's really tense. I'm like, what is going on? I, I started listening to this guy. Isn't he railing on the church? Completely ripping the church apart. And it's, it's funny because the barbers are like looking at me and they're like, look at, and I'm like, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. Please don't. Right. I'm like praying they don't say anything about it. I'm just waiting for him to say it though. Right. But he doesn't. So I just listen. I'm, I'm sincerely interested to hear what this guy is so upset about. And he goes on and on about how his grandmother over her life gave so much money to the church. And I'm, I'm still, I'm waiting. I'm like, what's the point, right? Like, what are you really upset about? Well, he finally says it. He was mad, not that the church was, not that his grandma had given all this money to the church. He was mad that when she passed away recently, he didn't get more of the money. That exposed, in that second, that exposed a heart of greed, right? Now, again, I want to be fair to this guy. I don't know him. I don't know the rest of his life. I don't know what he's been through. I don't, so there's, there's some grace there, right? I, I don't know that other, other side. But that, in that moment, exposed something, right? He, he, wasn't, he wasn't upset his grandma for giving it to the church. He was mad that he didn't get it, Right? Unfortunately, as I said, his heart had been captured by greed. He thought that money should have been his. Now, now listen, um, I, I, wish, um, I wish if I'd had some time to sit one-on-one on this, with, with this guy, to just hear his heart and him mine. I'd love for him to see that his grandma, grandmother was so in love with her Savior that that generosity welled up in her and overflowed, that that was the heart of it. I think he was misseeing it. I don't think he was seeing it the right way. That radical generosity, church, is something that you and I should, should strive for. So along with that lesson from the widow at the beginning, the, the, the example here of this grandma for the, from the guy at the barbershop, um, there's some credible overarching lessons from the heart of God on the subject that I want to go through with you. Um, number one, giving, I believe, should be willful and cheerful, right? It, 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 giving cannot be forced right? And shouldn't be done begrudgingly, right? What do we call that? That's called taxation, right? It's forced and who, raise your hand if you love paying taxes, right? It's, it's, it's not done out of a heart of, of compassion, right? Out of generosity. Um, Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Giving should be willful and cheerful. Secondly, giving should be regular and consistent, right? This is where the scenario of the, of the stewardship comes into play, right? 1 Corinthians 16.2 gives us this, this um, um, example that Paul lays out for regular giving uh, for the Corinthian church, where we see this pattern of regular and consistent giving. As money comes in, are we setting aside what we're giving back to the Lord or are we spinning, 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 and then whatever's left over, oh, that can be for him, right? It's that Old Testament example of are we giving the, the, the 
leftover of our sacrifice, or are we giving the best and the first to Christ, right? That's, there's a difference there. Lastly, giving should be generous and sacrificial. Church, listen, generosity is a symptom of an internal condition, right? It's a natural overflow of our relationships with God. The problem here sometimes is that we've developed maybe a mindset that God can't be trusted, right? Really, that, that's what it is. That, that maybe we need to take matters into our own hands and, and hoard a little bit more so that I make sure I have what I need. If the opposite of generosity, let's say, is stinginess, um, it becomes a matter of control. I can't, I can't relinquish my finances. I can't relinquish my talents. I can't relinquish my resources because I really don't trust God is going to do what he said he's going to do. So we hold. We hold on to what's ours. And so one of the most important ways I think we can experience God's abundance is by sharing generously with others. And in giving back, we show we trust God is in control. Do you see that? Radical generosity cures a heart trapped by greed and fear of the unknown. On the opposite of, you know, the question I asked, if you know somebody that's all about money, on the other side of that, do you know somebody who, if I, if I asked you who is someone you know that's incredibly generous, could you think of somebody? I think of a couple people right offhand that I know. Um, they're, they're so giving of their time, their resources. Um, they're not people trapped by love of money by any means. Um, they probably experience a lot of God's grace in their lives too. Um, my wife and I, our family, um, experience some of this radical generosity. And as the worship team comes, they're going to help us close. Um, we had, um, we were in a season of life where just things were tough. I was working as a beginning, uh, first year as a teacher, um, in Indiana, um, be, making beginning teacher salary at that time. Um, my wife was, we had a couple, I think we had our two oldest at that time, and she was staying home and watching a couple other kids to try to bring in some extra money. But, but things were just rough, right? They were, they were um, we didn't have a lot, barely making our bills. Unfortunately, we had convinced ourselves that we didn't have enough to be generous. And um, our fear of the what-ifs, I think, stopped us from really from giving at all. Um, one, one Sunday morning then, right before church, we were all in the lobby getting ready to come in, and, and uh, a couple from the church um, handed us an envelope. And it was um, this white envelope. It was right before church. They didn't say much. They just handed and I think Brittany tucked it in her purse. We didn't have time, or it was very public. We weren't going to do it right there, but um, kind of forgot about it then till the end of church. And... Um, on the way home from church, uh, we pull out this envelope, and there's 10 crisp $100 bills in this envelope. Um, here's the thing. We hadn't really talked about our financial situation. This couple didn't, I don't think, really knew that we were struggling. It was just a random gift. Um, we were reminded that day of God's faithfulness and his goodness that he provides. Now listen, church, if you're struggling here this morning, God may not provide for you that way. There's no scheme that I know of of people here this morning that are going to be panning out a bunch of envelopes. Like, sorry to disappoint you. That, we're not doing that this morning. Listen, I want you to know that God can be trusted, that God is good, that he will provide. I don't know how he's going to do that for you or what that will look like, but God will take care of you. He sees where you're at. 
So if you're there where we were back in Indiana, I want you to know that God will provide. He'll take care of your every need. He can be trusted with, with your money, with your finances, with your generosity. If you're on the other side of that, and you say, Pastor Brandon, I'm in a position in my life where I, I, can, I can be more generous. I, I, maybe God will speak through you about how you might show that kindness of God to someone else. Maybe there's a couple or a family that he's laid on your heart to show that generosity and kindness to. When we experience God's generosity, it will overflow in our lives. And here's the thing, every single one of us has. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 tells us, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Church, because of Jesus, every single one of us has experienced the most radical generosity imaginable. Amen? Through his son's death, you and I, can have a life and have it to the fullest. We found and now have complete freedom in him. Amen. I don't know where you're at this morning, what you're dealing with, what you're struggling with, what you're going through, but I want you to know that God knows, he sees you, he hears you, and he will provide. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He will provide everything in your life. And if, if God's speaking to your heart this morning, maybe about areas where, where you can be more generous, I want to encourage you this morning to just, just obey. To just, although things may, like this widow, things may seem careless even. I want you to just, I pray that you just obey and listen to the voice of the Lord. Amen. Um, if you're here this morning and you've, you've not accepted that, maybe you've never accepted that free gift of grace that Jesus has for you, it's, it's, it's not complicated. As we pray, as we worship this morning, um, talk to the Father. And if you're ready, accept that gift. Um, I, I would love it then if you would let me or someone from the staff or the board or even a ministry leader know that you've done that. Um, because we would love then to walk along beside you and help you grow and disciple you. That, that's what the church is for. So thank you in advance for doing that. Can we pray and just stand with me? We're going to end in a worship song. Let's pray together. Lord, we're so grateful. We're so thankful for your generous hand in our lives. God, when, God, when we, we, although we didn't deserve it, we didn't merit it, we didn't earn it, God, your free gift of grace through your, the, the death of your son Jesus has, has freed every single one of us from a life of sin and death. So we, I pray this morning that you would remind our hearts and minds of the radical generosity that each of us has received. And that, that through us, then, God, you would overflow to those around us who need it. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's close the worship this morning.